everybody. How are you? God bless. It is Tuesday, May 9th already at 9 a.m. And you are locked and loaded right here on Rise Up on LFA TV. And this is episode number 104 of Rise Up already. 104 episodes. I mean, it seemed like it seemed like we got to 100 within no time. And now we're on our way to 200. And I couldn't be happier. Uh, RJ Cat just donated $500 for Iowa, Eli. And I actually uh, thank you. Thank you so much. God knows we need it. I never, no wonder why the, uh, everybody doesn't go to these Trump rallies. I mean, just to even send multiple people there, hotel, flights, all that stuff. It's absolutely ridiculous. Um, and then all the equipment that you have to buy, the live views in order, you know, and all that. So every little bit helps. And we thank you. I actually uh, texted you this morning because I hadn't seen you in a while and I was hoping everything was okay. So it was kind of a surprise to see you jump in this morning with such a big blessing of a donation. Uh, but we really hope you're okay. Hope things are going well with you and your son. Uh, we love you very much. And uh, yeah, 104 episodes in on our way to our first Trump rally. And, uh, you know, some of the same people that have been here since the very beginning are still here today, and I could not be happier. I do have a question to ask you, though, and I was wondering this when I was when the music was playing today, um, and there's a reason I wore my Freedom shirt this morning. Yes, I look like a tomato, I know, uh, but there's a reason why I wore my Freedom shirt, and there's always a reason to wear a You Can't Beat God hat. By the way, you can get yours in JeremyHarrell.com. And I was thinking of something while the music was running, and I was just thinking about 104 episodes, you know, 104 times we've been here together this morning. Maybe not everybody here. I uh, love you too, Kong. God bless you. Uh, but I, I was wondering, in that 104 episodes, so 104 days in, which is what, you know, a, two, a third of the year, has your lives, have your lives changed? Being a part of Rise Up Every Day. Or let me, let me ask it in this way. Have your lives changed in any way having God and church a part of your everyday life rather than just going on like, say, Wednesdays and Sundays? Has it changed your life in any way? Let's pop up the Rumble Chat. Mary says, cute tomato. Oh, thank you very much. Uh, good morning, Grammy love. Good morning. How are you, hon? Good to see you. Amanda says, yes, it has. Um, Lord Fishy says, yes. Um, it most certainly has says redneck. Okay, great. That's good to hear. Uh, Victoria says, I think I have more hope and faith in things than I used to. Um, yes, most definitely. Um, for the better, good rise up has changed me. That's amazing. Um, what else did I see in there? I thought I saw something. It most certainly has. Um, oh yes, for sure. Yes, absolutely. I'm happier. T Hodges says, and not so stressed. As I used to be, love the community here. Green Broccoli says, this is my church. Cindy says, yes. Um, Hexlene says, I have no picture. I saw you say that earlier. I don't know why. Uh, I would try to enter the video through another way, maybe through LFATV.us or something of that nature. I apologize you don't have picture. Um, Rise Up enhances my life. Yes, I love starting the day with the Lord. Yes, it has. I look forward to Rise Up, said CQ. Thank you very much for being here, hon. I appreciate that. Yes, my life is better. Closer to God now. L. Dooley says, absolutely has changed my life. Brendan, um, 
Brenda says, looking forward to getting up in the morning. Uh, yes, my family started watching with little David and me. Uh, Jeremy, yes, good morning. Yes, indeed, absolutely. Now, the reason why I wanted to know that, and I thank you for telling me, um, is because it really has changed my life too. Like this was most, this was my personal journey with Jesus, but making it public with you guys has held me to a higher standard almost. It's almost like, um, uh, you know, because when I was just doing my everyday journey with Jesus, I'm not going to lie, there was days where I skipped because I was too busy in the morning with kids or whatever, trying to get maybe something happened in the morning and had to take a kid to school later or whatever. There were days that I skipped, but I think God knew that. And I think, I think I kept asking God, how you doing, Chris Larch? Good to see you, brother. Um, I think that asking God, you know, whether or not to do this show, his answer of yes, do this show was his way of holding me, uh, keeping me on the narrow path. Because God knows I am very susceptible to, oh, look, a bird. Oh, look, a squirrel. And being, you know, diverted off the path. But with doing Rise Up, it's very, very difficult to get me off that path. And if I do get off the path, the narrow, beaten path following Jesus, if I do get off it, I immediately get back on it. It's no longer like, two, three days away from the Lord. I immediately get back on it. And so Rise Up actually keeps me focused on God. It keeps me focused on the word of God. It keeps me focused on Jesus. It keeps me focused on the path. It keeps me focused on my job, my responsibilities and my duties, not only here in the flesh, but spiritually as well. Uh, T. Mitchell says, I realize I have a lot more to learn and grow. My day isn't right without Rise Up. Well, the same here. And and you want to know why? It's because... You know that old saying, no Bible, no breakfast, right? You don't, you don't put food in your belly unless you put the word in your soul. Uh, that's it, Once you do it, once you make it a part of your everyday life, and then you go without it, it's almost impossible to, to, to get that feeling back that you had going through the day without going back to the Bible. Uh, so, you know, and, and actually, that's a good point. Uh, Viscap said, God is helping you. God is helping you accountable to all of oh, to all of us. I, I think you meant God is working through me to hold you guys accountable too. And I think that's true. Eli, can you pop that fan on a couple, um, couple levels there? So uh, again, ladies and gentlemen, thank you. Uh, again, this is, it's a way to keep us focused seven days a week or at least six days a week, right? One day a week at your church. If you go to a church five days a week here, but very soon when we open up Saturday and Sunday, every day, um, and believe me, folks, I've won. I know we've missed two movie days. That's not that's not our that's not our goal. Uh, but once you have the Lord even more in your life, and you stay focused and stay stay tuned in to what we're doing, well, it'll kind of um, it'll kind of help you stay focused in your own life, even if you miss Rise Up. Uh, Sales Hall Two says, "Yes, I wake up happy now." And also, Jeremy, you brought up a topic about our tongue. It's really helping me. It stays on my mind since you mentioned saying those words. Me too. Me too. Like swearing. Okay. Let's, uh, let's just admit it. You know, we're all human, right? I think people hold Christian conservatives to a higher standard and don't get me wrong. Uh, we should hold ourselves to a higher standard than, than non-believers or anybody like that. But what I'm saying is it's like, you know, you're a Christian conservative. And if you say a swear word, somebody says, Oh, you're a fake. You know, we're all human. We all swear. We all do things we shouldn't do. Um, and swearing has reduced in my personal life big time. Big time. 
You know what I mean? So so much so to even if my wife drops a swear, drops a, like a, a, an F-bomb or an S-bomb, and there's kids even in the presence, uh, I used to say, hey, kids, let's keep it quiet. Well, now I do it even if there's no kids around because God is listening, right? It doesn't matter if, I mean, it matters if kids are listening, but God is always listening. And we don't, you know, there's, there's other words to use other than those you know, four-letter filth words uh, to express disgust or or to express, you know, uh, anger or something like that. So it's just about making yourself a better person in the eyes of God, okay? It's just about making yourself a better person in the eyes of God. Um, I'm very proud of you, Jeremy. Oh, thank you, Cindy. You've been good. Share, 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 everyone. Yes, share, 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 and rumble. Look, let's go to the Lord in prayer. We're 15 minutes past the hour. Uh, we have about a thousand people watching. The title of the show today is Jesus is the son of the real God. And we're going to talk about the pieces of evidence that nobody seems to talk about when they're talking about is Jesus real or is he not real? Okay. Uh, Mag says feeling lost lately, praying for the price uh, for accountability. Thank you. Well, you know what? If you're feeling lost, get yourself a good Bible app that gives you an audio and listen to the Bible instead of reading it once in a while. Change it up. Change up how you consume the Bible because you may just need to have it a different way this week, but definitely get the word of God. That's going to help you if you're feeling lost. Trust me, it happens all the time. Tina says, I still struggle with bad words flying out of my mouth in anger. Me too, but I'm getting so much better at it. I'll bet you I've reduced the amount of bad things that came out of my mouth uh, in the last month by about 30, 40%. And I just want to do it more. I just want more of it. I want more of God. I want more of holiness. I want more good things to come out of my mouth. I want to think better. I want more positivity around me. And the only way to do that is with God. And I can tell you 100% the only way to do that is with God. 100%. All right? Because everything here of this earth is temporary. God is eternal. And so is the feeling that you get from him. Rise up is open to communication like no church can do. You keep it real and it makes us feel part of the Bible uh, it makes us feel part of God's walk. Well, thank you. That's It's what I want when I go to church, right? That's what I want, and I don't get it. Jeremy, I requested a Bible a month ago. Should I re-request? No, because my mom just delivered me today all of the packages from like the last month, all filled out and ready to go. So Sabrina's going to fulfill those today, and then I'm going to send my mom like another three weeks or a month worth. So we're always a little bit behind, but don't worry. We got you, okay? Um Let's go to the Lord in prayer. Please remove your hats and let's have our word of, of gratitude to God. Lord and Heavenly Father, Lord, this journey that you have me on, holding me accountable, holding other, others accountable through this Godcast has been such a blessing, has been such a blessing and has set so many of us free. I'm wearing my freedom shirt t-shirt today because being born again means you are free from shackles. You are free from chains. And the very fact, the very words that Jesus uttered to be born again was so far off. And even the people that controlled the masses had no idea what he was talking about. Today, Lord, we know that being born again is a very real thing. We know that transforming from our old selves, shell, uh, uh, shedding our old selves and becoming a new person does not mean anything to do with transgender or surgery. It means a spiritual transformation that nothing can cause except for the words of Jesus Christ and the mercy of God. Today, we're going to touch on that. And we pray that it 
the way that I explain it and me leaning on the Holy Spirit in order to explain it in a way that everybody understands it can change their lives and can make them see things that maybe they didn't see before. Help them, I should say, see things that they didn't see before. And all of that is through your grace and your mercy, through our faith. And we thank you for that today. Help us, help us all get a little bit more knowledge and get a bit and a little bit closer to you today through your words. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Rosebud says, please keep all your paper books you own. Amazon is buying publishers in mass to remove and revise books. Of course, control the information, control the food, control the energy, right? Marfay60 says, ever since you said to wake up and smile, my days start off so much better. I know, so do mine. And I got to be honest with you, some days I forget. Some days, you know, you get woke up in a hurry and you forget. And I'll tell you, your day is completely different. You must wake up and put that smile on your face. You must. So getting back to today's title, Jesus is the real son of God. Jesus was and is the real son of God. Yes, watch Nefarious. We will be playing Nefarious here in a few weeks as one of the movies. <laughs> Excuse me. Um, how do we know that Jesus is who he says he was? Well, one of the big things that atheists or agnostics lean on to tell you that God doesn't exist is the Bible, and stop me if you've heard this one, but if you've, if you've heard this in your life, let me know in the comment section and drop a comment below too. It's a permanent comment below the, below the video. How many times have you heard an atheist or agnostic tell you there's no such thing as God the Bible was only a book that was put together to control the people. That the words of Jesus Christ and Jesus, um, they all believe, oh, Jesus was probably a real man, but he, he was not the son of God because there is no God. And the, the words of Jesus and the words in the Bible are just books put together to control the populations. How many of you heard that before in your lives? That's really all I hear all the time. However, what an ignorant statement to make. What a stupid and, in, and ignorant statement to make. The Pharisees were already controlling the masses before Jesus came. The Bible was the Torah. Now, it wasn't called the Bible. It was called the Torah, right? Right? But everybody knows that the Old Testament and the Torah are basically the same thing without all, you know, the rules and regulations of the Pharisees. But the world was controlled, or at least that part of the world, through the Pharisees and the Sadducees far before the time of Jesus Christ. As a matter of fact, if you really want to get down to the nitty and gritty of things, when Jesus came and said things like being born again and started challenging the very control that the religious leaders had over the communities, which look at, look at, the, Islam, look at the faith of Islam. Their book and their God controls people to this day. Jesus came and set us free from all that. Jesus gave us 
freedom from all of that. Jesus gave us freedom from control. And the very thing that Jesus preached and taught, which is the very word of the very real God that created this earth, the very thing that he taught was freedom from control and not to be controlled. So when people say, oh, the Bible was just put together and the teachings of Jesus were just put in the Bible in order to control the masses, I have never felt more free in the word of God and with Jesus than I've had in my entire life. And that is the big lie. They talk about the big lie of the election, right? Oh, that's the big lie. That's the big lie. That's the misinformation. That's the disinformation. Having somebody tell you that the Bible and the words of God and Jesus were put together in a book that they called the Bible to control the masses was a form of control and only a form of control was the absolute biggest misinformation lie that I've ever heard in my life. Because any of you that have been born again and now walk with Jesus know that you are free. That's why I'm wearing my freedom shirt today. So what a lie that is. And they don't even know. They're force-fed that stupid misinformation, disinformation. And then they run with it. Actually, that's a very good statement. Somebody said, has anyone ever seen a million dollars? Neither have I, but I know it exists. Amen. Amen. And you know it exists because of proof. Money. People having it. (laughs) Right? You have to ask yourself, says CQ, if Christian, why is Christianity the only religion persecuted? Exactly. Why is it the only one they're trying to stop? Exactly. If, there, if, if Jesus, the Son of God, and the teachings of Jesus, were, which are really just the Word of God, because that's all it, all, all, all it is, that's all Jesus was here to do, if it was to control you, then why didn't it do that good of a job? And why is it still the best-selling book of all time? And why is everybody in the world trying to get rid of the very control that they have over you? You see what I'm saying? That right there, that last five minutes, that monologue that I just opened up with should be all the proof that anybody needs to know that Jesus of Nazareth was a real man. He was also the son of God. And that the very things that he taught that we now know as the Bible, which are Jesus's teachings, plus the prophetic word that was in the Old Testament that set up Jesus's teaching that he came and preached in a way that we could all understand. All of it was anything but control. It was 100% freedom. But the world made the world, the world of this world made the masses believe the exact opposite, that it was to control you. Well, if that's the case, it didn't do a very good job because look at Christianity. Let me ask you this. What year is it? Everybody put it in the comment section right now. In the permanent comment and the temporary comment section. What year is it right now? What year is it? It's 2023. What year is it in America? 2023. What year is it in Africa? 2023. What year is it in all of the Islamic countries that have nothing to do with Jesus? 2023. What year is it in Russia? 2023. AD. We all go by the same year, and it is the year of our Lord. It is the year of our Lord. The whole world knows that it's 2023. 
But the whole world doesn't believe in Jesus, right? That's odd. Why isn't it year 7,456? Why isn't it year 4 billion? No, it is 2023 across the world. Why? Well, it can't be because of control. It can't be because of control. Because if it was because of control, well, then they wouldn't be trying to kill Christianity. They wouldn't be trying to get God out of everything. And there wouldn't be, I don't know how many Christians are there in this world that are actually Christians, set free and have been completely transformed. That would have never happened. They would have been controlled like robots. Meh, 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 meh. Jesus sets you free, which is why they want you to make you make believe it's controlled op, that it's that it that it's a sl- form of slavery and control. They have to tell you the exact opposite of what it is in order for you to buy into it. Right? To buy into the lie. Oh, that's just a form of control. Jesus just for that's just a way to control the masses. Well, it didn't do a good job. And it didn't even do a good job back in the Crusades either. It never did a good job. It never controlled anybody. It was a form of chaos and tyranny. The stuff that they told the world. And the transformations alone, let, let alone the world that we live in that's maintained every day and the sun rises and goes down every single day, right? Let's not, let's not, let's not you know, forget about the maintaining of the earth that we all live in while we're saying there is no God. But let's just look at the transformation in people. Look at the transformation in me. I'm living proof that there is a real God and Jesus was the son of a real God. If it was control, if Jesus' words and the words of God were control, then why did I run to it? Why did I run to it but fought it at the same time? You see what I'm saying? Nobody fought becoming a Christian harder than I did. And I still ended up following Jesus. And then my naysayers will say, see, that's a form of control. You didn't want it. You tried to get away from it. And it brainwashed you and sucked you in. It's the exact opposite. I didn't want to get out of my chains. Have you ever heard of institutionalized? Have you ever heard of that word, Eli? You ever heard of that word? Institutionalized? You never heard of it? Let me explain to you what institutionalized means. Okay. Somebody who's been in jail, I can tell you it's a very real thing, all right? When I got out of prison and I went to the first gas station since getting out of prison, I had an anxiety attack. I had an anxiety attack. And I was only in prison at that time for three years. And I had an anxiety attack. Why? Well, because I was so used to being locked up. I was so used to being controlled. I was so used to being in a line. I was so used to being told when and where I can't speak, when and where I can't go to the bathroom, when and where I can't take a shower, what what and what I cannot do. I was so used to being controlled that when I got out, I didn't want to be out. And I was only in there for three years. I know people that were in there for 20 and 30 years. Let me tell you a story. Let's go off on a story time here. I was in solitary confinement for 13 months. In solitary confinement, you don't have bars on your doors. You have a door, a steel door with a little window and a little chuck hole, right? Where you get your uh, 
where you get your food and your mail and all that stuff. Well, in solitary confinement, you are allowed to have one hour a week. I mean, excuse me, one shower a week. One shower a week. And you didn't get to go out every day like they like to make you think. Oh, you're locked up 23 hours a day, but we give you one hour of freedom. No, no, no. Where I was locked up, they let you out one day a week for five hours to make up for all the days that you were locked up. And it still didn't even make up for it because there's seven days in a week. Long story short, on that day, which was Tuesdays, you got to take a shower. And when you were on in solitary confinement, they would take you one person at a time. And there was one cell on the, on the gallery, right? The galleries, the, 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 the balcony or the walkway in which all the cells are. There was one cell directly in the middle, and that was called the shower cell. Well, in the shower cell, you were given 15 minutes. And if you needed a razor, they would give you a, a Bic razor with one blade in it. And they would come by and they would stand by the shower until you were done with that blade and then they would make you give it back to them. So you didn't steal the blade, go back to your shell and make a shank or something, right? To stab somebody. Okay, well, this one guy was getting out in a week. He'd been locked up for 35 years. Most of his family that he had were either dead or completely gone and nobody in the world was there for him. He had nobody. He'd been locked up for 35 years, and for weeks, he was trying to stay in prison. He was trying to do everything he could to stay in prison, and he was asking and pleading to stay where he was because he has nothing to go out to, and they kept saying, no, when you're out date, when you're maxed out, you're done, you're gone, you're out of here, and he was pleading to stay, and I was wondering why he was pleading to stay. I was like, what an idiot. Go home. You're free. But this person was locked up for so long, they didn't know how to not be, to be, to be free. They didn't know how to not be locked up and not be controlled, not be told what they can and can't do. And there are some of those people who are model citizens inside prison, but they are absolute scumbag, worthless pieces of crap outside of prison. I know plenty of people like that. I know people that have the greatest jobs in prison. They have the greatest organization skills. They are wonderful models of society in prison, but you put them on the streets and they start doing drugs, killing people, whatever. That's called institutionalized, okay? So, I witnessed him kill himself. A lot of you know that know my story about jail, but you don't know intricate pieces of being in that prison, Menard Correctional Facility in uh, Southern Illinois. So now I'm going to give you a little story of some of the stuff that I witnessed in there. And I'm just going to give you one story because this pertains to institutionalized and being free and, being my, and, and having your mind controlled for so long. He went to the shower on a Tuesday. My cell, my segregation cell, was four or five cells down from the shower cell. So you could even hear the water running through the, uh, through the heat vents, right? That's how we talk to each other. So if I needed to talk to somebody 10 cells down, because we couldn't go to the, the bars, because we didn't have any bars, we had steel doors, we would have to talk through the vents. So I'd yell down to 10 cells down, hey, blah, 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 and that's how you could hear each other. So you could hear the water running in the, in the, in the shower cell. Well, he asked for a razor to shave. The guard came, gave him a razor. And these guards don't do their jobs at all. They've been doing their job for so long, they just came, gave him the razor, and then walked away from the cell, like three or four cells, and was talking to other people in other cells, blah, blah, blah. All of a sudden, out of nowhere, I'll never forget it. It sounded like a, the only thing that I can, the only thing that I can compare it to is like what you would hear if a hyena was suffering. 
You know what a hyena sounds like, right? And the, and the screams and the cries that you hear of a hyena, like when you hear them in the wilderness if you're watching TV. Now imagine that thing in, like in a trap dying, like it got caught in a trap dying. That is the only thing that I could compare it to. I heard this scream like I've never heard in my life. Next thing I know, I see guard after guard after guard. Now there's two kinds of guards. There were green shirts and there were white shirts. If you were a green shirt, then you were just an officer, right? A, a prison guard. If you were a white shirt, you were a, like a captain or a lieutenant. You were an officer, right? I saw a bunch of green and white shirts running by my cell and I'm like, what the hell's happening? Well, what happened was, and I'm not, and this is, I'm not, I'm not kidding here. This is really gross. About four minutes, five minutes later, I saw them wheel. Well, I saw the medics come with a cart. One of those rolly carts, rolly beds. I saw the medic come and then I saw them wheel by a dead body and they put a white sheet over it and there was blood all over the white sheet and the blood was primarily focused on the midsection of the body. He'd already died. He took the razor out of the razor and I don't know if he, he must've Search, research this or something. I don't know about how fast you die if you try to kill yourself. He cut off his testicles. He didn't slit his wrists. He didn't slit his throat. He cut off. He, I, I know this is gross, but he grabbed his testicles and he cut them off and he bled to death and died. So I got to hear the screams of a man killing himself. I got to watch them wheel his dead, lifeless body by myself with blood all over the, the sheet. And I don't mean to tell you guys that that's such a, a descriptive story, but I have to show you guys what people deal with in life, what, they, what was going through this guy's head. And he did it because he did not want to leave prison. He would rather have died than leave prison because he was so afraid of getting out. That is called institutionalized. And I never understood it. Come back full circle to when I got out. And I went to that first gas station. And I had an anxiety attack. And I had an anxiety attack because there was too many people walking freely around me. There was nobody to shoot anybody if I got attacked like there was in prison. There was nobody to tell me what to do, where to go. There was nobody to tell me to go down this aisle and grab this thing that you want and then go up and pay for it. I was in that store for about two minutes. I started having a panic attack and an anxiety attack. I started breathing heavy and I had to run out of the gas station and I, and I had to leave. I couldn't buy anything. Three years. That guy was in for 10 times the length of time that I was in there for. And ladies and gentlemen, the reason why I told you that story today, I didn't plan on telling you that story, but it kind of just came up. And the reason why I told you that story today is because that is a physical representation of how spiritually shackled and chained up and institutionalized most of the world is. And what I was before I opened my heart and my eyes and my ears up to Jesus. And when that moment happened, I was set free and I was not, I had no anxiety. I had no fear. The institutionalized way of thinking was completely gone and I was free. And that moment 
that moment, I realized that I was not free and that I was locked up in my mind and in my soul for 36 years. So when you hear all these people saying these institutionalized things that they have no idea what they're talking about, it's not because they're rude. It's not because they're stupid. Yes, it is because they're ignorant, but it's because they've had nobody give them the gospel. They won't even read it. I can tell you some of my closest friends will not read the Bible. No matter how many questions they have, no matter how many answers I try to give them, I tell them, if you're looking for an answer, just go to this book and they won't do it. Why do you think that is? Because they have been literally brainwashed and indoctrinated, whether it's consciously or subconsciously, and they don't even know it, to the point where they are so afraid of the truth that they are living in a, basically the best way I can describe it is spiritual institution. They're living in a spiritual institutionalized life. They are afraid of freedom. They are afraid of being able to go out and make their own choices without being controlled into thinking that they must do this, that, or the other that the world wants them to do. You understand? Hexlean says, my husband works in corrections. Many people locked there for a long time do things to stay in because they are afraid of what awaits them on the outside. It's the same thing with going to Christ. So many unbelievers are so afraid of what they don't know. And they're living in spiritual shackles and they are spiritually institutionalized. And it's the best way that I can describe it. Being, uh, being both, being locked up physically and being locked up spiritually and then being freed physically and then being freed spiritually. Trust me, if anybody knows what they're talking about when it comes to this, it is me. And I'm not saying that for a pat on the back. I'm trying to say that so that I can have some validity behind what I'm saying so that you understand that what I'm telling you is the truth, is the gospel. Zach Williams has a song called Fear is a Liar. Fear, it is a liar. It'll snatch your breath. Leave you broken. I'm telling you, folks, fear Fear of being free. And why would anybody fear being free? Freedom is the ultimate gift of God. Mimaw says, Jeremy, you're a living proof that you can turn your life around and for Jesus. Hallelujah. Thank you, Jesus, for turning Jeremy's life around. Amen. Amen. Or freed physically but locked up spiritually. That's another thing. A lot of people are freed physically but locked up still spiritually. And those people should understand more than anyone. They should understand more than anyone. I want to go to one minute prayer for dads. As we continue on this show titled. Jesus is the real son of God. And I want to read to you from Luke 12, 34, which if you have this book, it's on page 124. Again, page 124, Luke 12, 34. Our identity. For where your treasure is, 
there will be your heart also. Being a dad isn't just another add-on to our list of identities. Once we become a dad, that role becomes part of our identity, DNA. It's who we are. Thank you, O Wretched Man, for the Slurp Fund contribution. We appreciate you. Love you. All we do as dad, as a dad, issues from the dad heart that God has put in us. We mustn't let ourselves forget that most of our priorities are secondary to being a good dad. Our kids are our treasure here on earth. Wow. God, sometimes I get my priorities mixed up. My job, my sports, hobbies, my puttering around the house. These are just a few of the activities that can temporarily blind me to the needs of my kids to have a father present in their lives. Not just when it's convenient for me, but when it's necessary for them. Rouse me, Lord, from my distracted fog when I need to set aside my planned day and make time for the kids. Help me remember that you do that, Father. You are there for me 24-7, demonstrating that I'm a priority with you. May I do the same for my children? May I do the same for my children? God is a perfect example of how we should be a parent to our children. The way he parents us. The patience he has for us. The mercy that he has for us. And we try to get our kids to understand that all the time. Unfortunately, their brains are like that of a spiritually institutionalized person right now. And they don't understand freedom and, 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 and gratitude and thankfulness to the level that we would like them to. But someday they will. But they're kids. There's an excuse. Adults don't have the excuse. I'd like to sing a happy birthday to Covey right now. Covey Jean. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday to you. Happy birthday, Covey Jean. Happy birthday to you. A very special LFA TV Rise Up. Happy birthday. And if I'm singing happy birthday on Rise Up, then you know that God must be singing happy birthday. Because I let God speak through me on this show. So God just saying happy birthday to you. Not me. I'm just a... What's that called? I'm, I'm just a megaphone. I'm just a megaphone. I don't even speak for God. So don't think that either. I'm just a tool <laughs> that God uses to get out his messages. Uh, I want to play a video for you. Let's do that. Let's go to a video. And this isn't a video that really is being played in context or anything like that. Meaning that I didn't, you know, I mean, this is this, this doesn't have anything to do with what we're really talking about or anything like that. But I just thought it was a, I thought it was a cool video. And I wanted to play that for you guys today. So um, let's see here. Ah, that's probably a good place. Let's remove those lower thirds. Uh, I'm pulling this from uh, Jesus, a Real Hope Instagram page. And I just thought this was a great way. If you want to, since there's so much transgender stuff going on, and, and if, you, if you ask me, folks, people that think that they are trans, which is not a real thing, they are slaves to mental health, Right? How do we set these people free? Well, we got to give them the truth. We got to do it compassionately if we're talking to a trans person, obviously, or the family of a trans person. person. But we got to give them the truth of the word of God. And that's the only way we can set these transgender folks free 
from the chains of this world that's trying to make them believe that they are something else other than God made them. Uh, how should a Christian deal with transgender people? And this is a wonderful, wonderful explanation. Check this out. Hello, I'm Claire, and my question is Hi, Claire. Um, in regards to transgender. I have an older sibling, actually, who's transgender, and my question is just how to approach that biblically, um, it, specifically in regards to what pronouns to use um, and just in general. Yeah, Claire, bless your heart for asking that. Simply stated, there is no such thing as transgender. You're either XX or XY. That's mm -hmm. it. God made man male and female. That is determined genetically. That is physiology. That is science. That is reality. This notion that you are something other than your biology is a cultural construct intended as an assault on God. Now, your sibling may not see it that way, but that's what it's all about. And as more than anything, in fact, I was reading an article by R.C. Sproul just yesterday in which he said that the greatest revolution in American history was neither the American Revolution or the Industrial Revolution. It is the sexual revolution. This, is, this has become the most far-reaching, damaging of all revolutions that's ever occurred in this country or any other. The, the, the problem with buying into this is it is a kind of personal suicide. It is literally the end of your existence in the way that God designed you. Um, I've said this a few weeks ago, a person who is in the transgender world is 19 times more likely to kill himself or herself because you have completely cut yourself off from reality and from normal relationships. This is the end of your identity. This is the end of your ability to have a marriage that is a real marriage. It's the end of your ability to have a family. It's the end of your ability to connect and to be a part of a society and a culture and have a future and belong. It is a kind of, it is a kind of extreme isolation that can be no more extreme. You can't get more extreme than saying, I am not who I actually am, because that becomes an utterly imperceptible identity. You literally have disconnected yourself from existence. You aren't who you are. You are some fantasy person in your own mind. Look, this is going to continue to escalate because we live in a world where people are told to construct whatever they want themselves to be. This is what the Internet does to people. It, it allows you to, to create yourself the way you want to create yourself. You can access whatever is out there, and you can create your own world, your own reality, and you can live in that world. The isolation of this particular aspect of it is so sad and so tragic. I read the other day a surgery was done in Australia on a five-year-old to do a sex change. Gross. These kinds of parents ought to be imprisoned Yep. who would lead a five-year-old. And what kind of doctor would ever do that in a hospital in Australia? This is a kind of scarring for life. So I, I, don't, I don't 
mean by being so firm that, that you want to be lacking in love when you communicate this, but I think the only way you can address it honestly is to say, God made you, and God made you exactly the way He wanted you to be. You're not only fighting God in His physical creation, you are even more importantly fighting God in His sovereignty. You are fighting God in His spiritual relationship to you. This is a war on God. I'm not going to let... That's a war on God, and that's John MacArthur, ladies and gentlemen. I don't know if you have it, but the MacArthur Study Bible is probably one of the top three places to go if you're learning about God. Maybe the best book. Maybe the best. I don't know. But the MacArthur Study Bible, for me, was a, was a blessing because it allows you... I mean, it's, a lot of Bibles have the, you know, the, the, the explanation of the verses down in the bottom to help you understand it in today's uh, context, uh, but the MacArthur Study Bible is even better than that. The MacArthur Study Bible does it in a way where it allows you to understand what it was meant when it was written and what it was, uh, how it pertains to this world today. Okay? Um, what a great, what a great message from, from, from John MacArthur and the MacArthur Study Bible. Um, but he's completely right on that. You're detached from reality so much it's a war on God, and now you know why the left is pushing it so badly. Because the number one war on God is to kill children, and if you can't kill the children, destroy the children after they're born. It is the number one way to go after God. If you saw that movie Nefarious, there was a point in that movie where the, the prisoner, the demon, he said this, and I'll never forget what he said ever in my life. He said this, the carpenter, and he's referring to Jesus, he says the carpenter suffers and cries so badly every time that we are able to rip a child to pieces in the womb of their mother. The carpenter suffers every time that we're able to rip a child to pieces in the womb of their mother. And he says it with a grin and a smile on his face. Now, I may be paraphrasing a bit. He may have said it a little bit differently. But the number one attack on God is by going after the children, the unborn and the babies and the toddlers and the youth, the adolescents. Why? Because they don't have the ability to think clearly. They don't have the ability to think clearly. And that is why they need their mom and dad so much. I'm going to send, I'm going to put this link not only in the live chat thread here, right here, so you can copy and go to it. It's an Instagram link, but I'm also putting it right now in the, uh, the permanent comment section below the video. So there it is for you guys to have it. Um, but what a great, what a great explanation. What a great explanation. Look, ladies and gentlemen, um, there's a lot of people that make LFA TV possible, funding-wise, money-wise. We all know that nothing is free. Most of our money comes from all of you. In the sense where we don't get everything that we need, we go to sponsors. And I got to tell you, I very, very meticulously pick our sponsors, okay? I reach out to them. And if they reach out to me, 
nine times out of 10, maybe even 9.9 times out of 10, I turn them down. I only bring on sponsors that I know are going to align with our values and that I know that don't care about what we talk about, that actually want to sponsor what we talk about. One of those people is the Trumpet Daily, okay? Now, if you go to the Trumpet Daily or TrumpetDaily.com or TheTrumpet.com, what you're going to do is you're going to be brought to a play, uh, brought to a screen that looks something very similar to this right here. And what this is, folks, is a is a, is basically a daily news station, just like we are, from a godly centered point of view. Now they will start this Saturday at 10 a.m. on LFA TV. They're also sponsoring Rise Up. That means that they're giving us money, probably it's donated to them, to sponsor their content. And then we take that money and we donate it back to who? To God by giving it to a Christian school. So it goes full circle back to the glory of God. And for, and for signing up for the TrumpetDaily.com, you not only get to follow them on social media or watch their stuff, you also get their publications free in the mail. How can you beat that? Everything from all the way back to old Jewish uh, Jewish publications and Jewish uh, traditions and stuff like that and how they, uh, how they are practice in the world today and how how Christians look at them and everything else uh, you can get that by going to trumpetdaily.com or the trumpet.com and their shows will start coming this Saturday at 10 a.m. So check it out ladies and gentlemen by the way they give us $6,000 $6,000 a month are you kidding me? I'm transparent. I'll tell you. And guess where that money goes? Right back to God. Couldn't be better. So check them out. Now I want to read the verse of the day to you before we leave today. Very powerful verse of the day, which comes from 1 Peter 3, 1 Peter 1, excuse me, 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Okay, let's talk about being born again. Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you, who by God's power are being guarded through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. In this you rejoice, though now for a little while, if necessary, you have been grieved by various trials, amen, so that the tested genuineness of your faith, more precious than gold that perishes through, its, through it is tested by fire, may be found to result in praise and glory and honor at the revelation of Jesus Christ. Though you have not seen him, you love him. Though you do not know, though do you not now see him, you believe in him and rejoice with joy that is inexpressible and filled with glory, obtaining the outcome of your faith the salvation of your souls. Wow. 1 Peter 1, 3 through 9. Well, folks, I'm going to bring you out the same way I brought you in with a cr the cross of Christ by the Collective KC. Thank you for being here today. Thank you for helping me get the word of God out the way it needs to be. Thank you for helping me get the importance of being institutionalized, spiritually institutionalized. And remember, the LFA continues. LFA TV continues with Sean Farish and Brennan in Ungoverned coming up next, followed by yours truly live from America at 11 o'clock. God bless you guys. Thank you for being here. I'll see you at 11 o'clock. And remember, 
Rise Up Coffee. We're almost sold out. Get yours today. God bless you guys. Enjoy the rest of the uh, the morning, and we'll see you at 11. Sean Farish coming up next. See you later. God bless. Now.